Hello and welcome to the host, Nextin's exclusive podcast show, where we speak with some of the world's leading thinkers on topics that shape the world. Today's guest is Dr. Robin Chiera, the author of the InsureTech book and an ambassador of the Open Voice Network. He currently is a personal and virtual speaker and the consulting and marketing domain. Hello, Dr. Robin. How are you? Very well, thank you. How are you? Oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. So, wonderful. So, thank you so much for taking time out to speak to us today. I'm Rasish, and I run a company called Nextin. We're essentially, you know, running a series of podcasts to speak to experts like you to understand certain industries that are being disrupted. And I think we have a very interesting topic on our hands for today. It's cool. to discuss how the insurance industry is being disruptive in the last few years. Uh, so, we'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Happy to. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Okay, Dr. Robin, to start with, I'll quickly pose my first question to you. So what are the general trends that you're seeing in the insurance industry in developed versus developing countries? I think I would not differentiate between both. Of course, you have saturated market where it's hard to grow over average and you have markets where growth seems to be easier. But I would like to make a different differentiation. I would like to make a different differentiation between the good in the industry and the bad in the industry. So you have forerunners all around the world, independently from culture, countries, heritage, that try to move the insurance industry, the finance industry forward. And you have those who are laggards who don't want to do that. So even knowing and seeing the differences in economy and structure in society, I would make the differentiation not between both. Because why I want to say that there, maybe back in the days, it was justified to make this differentiation between saturated developed markets and not so far developed markets. But to be quite honest, even in the quote developed world, can learn a lot from insurtechs and fintechs from every single country around the world. I mean, there, if you look at Central Europe, okay, Germany is a very bad example because a lot of things are, you know, uh, we are lagging in a lot of things. Um, but there are countries in Africa that have a more advanced finance in, uh, payment system than us, you know, and that's just, you know, you need to consider that and just sit down with people and friends around the world and try to learn the best from everybody. So I think that's something I would make to differentiate. So the big trend I see is not having the differentiation between developed, not developed, but in between good and bad and those who want to move the industry forward. Very interesting. And how do you think the big boys are adapting to this? So, for example, your Zurich Insurance or the other big guys uh, in Europe, you know, how are they adapting to these changes? Are they partnering up with startups? Are they looking to enhance their own technologies? Or are they too big to be disruptive? Nobody's too big to fail. I think that's something we should really understand. And why is it super dangerous in the insurance industry? We are an industry that had, we're used to high barriers of entry. I mean, you know, you can start an insurance if you have 100 million euros lying around. That's a problem. That has changed. Also, technology is uh, cheaper available so that the barrier to entry is lower. It's not low, but it's lower. So, and it's an industry with a very low profit margin, 1%, 2%, 10%. It's already, you know, a rock star. And, one, and you have amazing, uh, uh, no, you have a very large cost structure, internal cost, external cost, claims, and, you know, bureaucracy. So if you don't do anything and suddenly players in the market, may they be insurtech or attackers or people from inside, 
when they actually suddenly are able to lower their combined ratio, their claims payment, or um, because they have a better technology, they help the clients prevent uh, claims instead just to pay them, or they are you know, better at sales. At some point, um, they are able to lower their price below your profit margin and your cost structure, and that will kill you. So I think that's something we really need to understand. We have an industry where the entry to the barrier to entry is getting lower and lower and very bad, you know, profitability. So that's super dangerous. And that's, by the way, also the reason why a lot of big insurers, small and big, why they are actually uh, modernizing. It's not because they want to be hip and have a lab here and there. It's all about surviving. And I think that's what we need to understand. We, uh, we, we have players that have understood this. And we have other players. I can tell you a funny story. I re- yesterday, I met with the CEO of a large German insurer, and he was talking very you know, respectfully about one of his colleagues and said, you know, we are becoming agile. We are having uh, thousands of people are being restructured, not kicked out, but like trained to become more agile. We change our structure. We have you know, not only senior managers getting le- are leading these agile teams, but actually people who can do the job. For the insurance industry, total crazy idea. And he described the internal uh, agilization and, and internal change management of a competitor who I quite well know because I worked for them. Um, and I can actually confirm what he said. And he said, yeah, I was a CEO, 60 something years old, which by the way, has nothing to do with age, but was, has, has something to do with the mindset in that company. Super old school is sitting in his you know, uh, office with dark wood, nobody can enter without an appointment. And they say, oh, we are also agile. And what they actually did is, they put an agile structure somewhere and the big, you know, agile leaders are coincidentally all the senior managers and the friends of the CEO. So it's just the same structure, the same conservative stuff going on, no fail culture, nothing at all. Same, just, you know, painted. If you put pig on a lipstick, it doesn't change the fact that it's a pig. And I think we have seen the industry, those who are getting, who do not put lipstick on a pig, but we really try to change things. And those who put lipstick on a pig and those will pay the consequence sooner or later. Very interesting. That's a wonderful story. And what do you believe COVID has impacted this space over the last 18 months? Obviously it's helped, uh, you know, startups disrupt, uh, gain more traction because uh, lots of people are now adopting to, you know, taking insurance, the hesitancy, the resistancy for taking insurance has now gone down. Uh, But how do you think COVID has impacted the bigger players versus the startups. I think if you see, if you see VC, venture capital-driven startups, what we see there is they had serious problems refunding themselves at some point in different cycles we had. I think that's a big problem. The smaller companies, not only InsurTech, but smaller companies were quicker able to, you know, uh, digitalize and be ready for home office. A friend of mine here, she's leading a large, uh, the, the, uh, a large um or a smaller insurer, but large market leader in their, in their niche. And she just could say to their IT department, please go buy 500 laptops, you know, and then the problem was solved. Uh, but you cannot do this with 25,000 people. Um, and I think that's, um, that's something we need to take into consideration. COVID, has, the answer is not easy, because if you look at the different lines of business, it has a total different reality. Car insurance had one of the best years ever because people were not driving. Also, um, household insurance or um, uh, um, homeowners insurance uh, were better because people were more home and less damages happened. On the other hand, the business interruption policies got slaughtered in a lot of places, sometimes justified, sometimes not. Um, so it, the picture is not easy, but what we need to understand in the insurance industry 
catastrophes, pandemics, and all of that have long-term consequences. It's not that you see it tomorrow, like the bakery that needs to shut down, which is, by the way, also brutal and, and, and which can have consequences on the insurance industry. We have, it takes some years until you see it in the balance sheets. And that's something dangerous we need to, need to consider. That's why we cannot squeeze the insurers like crazy, because it is, you always have a time lap. And I think that's something we need to, need to have a look at. Interesting. But do you think that, you know, COVID has helped the larger insurers, you know, enhance their plans for digitization? I understand they have 25, 30,000 people, but has it helped them, you know, the plans they had maybe four or five years down the line, has it helped them implement that earlier uh, because they have no option? Well, I think let's look not at the insurer itself. Let's look at the insurer as a social building, as a social construct. If you look at all the people that work there. But what happened is that those people who were actually pushing for digital transformation, modernization, the good in the industry, that they actually uh, got uh, good arguments. They said, you know, we have talking about this since five years, since three years, and we, we, we were right now, and now let's do it. And I think that we have seen that, that those got for a few more moments uh, the support is a superiority and actually were able to push through with their projects to push, push forward. And there were some emerging projects like, oh, no, we have 10,000 people cannot work from home, but, you know, claims are still coming in. They need to be handled. Policies are coming in. And I think it forces people to, to go to the point of no return. But we see at the same time, as the, I said about this one old sea suit with this multi-billion dollar insurer that don't do actually anything. They just put lipstick on a pig because they only have a few years left in their sea suit contract and they don't care or, and, or they intellectually don't understand it. And I think that's something that's dangerous. And the, the people taking on that job later, they need to do the transformation then. But the big question is, is this too late or not? And what do you feel are some of the trends for the next two or three years in this industry? So now that we've seen accelerated digitalization, uh, are we also seeing adoption rates going up? Are we seeing uh, settlement rates or settlement times getting quicker? Yeah. What do you think is, is one part of the industry that hasn't been disrupted as yet? And yeah. you believe there is still scope for a lot of disruption in that in that part of the insurance industry? I think it's sales and marketing, but let's answer the first part of the question. I think increasing or accelerating processes, uh, decreasing times for managing a claim, managing an application for an insurance, that's something that's electrification. That's not digitalization. Digitalization is new business models, expanding your business model. That's digital transformation. It's not that we actually start using cars as motors. I mean, you know, it's just we are the, one of the last industries that still rides horse cars. And, and I think that's something, we, that's something that's important, that's necessary, but nobody in the world is going to buy an insurance from us because we have a, great, a 10% greater claims payout ratio. Nobody cares for that. They expect this from us because they're used from Amazon, from, from Nike, from, from whatever. Gorillas is a big thing here, like a food delivery thing. Yeah. They expect it right away, and they're right. They're right. But what is going to be disrupted? I see the following thing in the market. I see a few insurers actually not thinking anymore about themselves and say, okay, how can we increase this process? But they are finally thinking about the client. And they think, how can we become part of the daily life of the clients? How can we increase the touch points, the meaningful touch points with our clients, with leads, clients, the market, why? Because in order to, uh, to become part of the daily life, then in the moment of demand, when the client is thinking about, or the customer is thinking about, oh, I actually should think about this life insurance, I should think about pension, 
oh, am I actually insured against an accident? And they have these questions. Or I want to become rich. I want to save my family. I want to have the best health. I want to get lose weight. They should think about insurer. And they should think about your insurer. And that's the moment of magic. Because then your clients come to you in the moment of truth. Why do I say this? I was a sales agent. I was an insurance sales agent. I got um, lists of client names I needed to call a month. And they didn't care. They didn't want to see me. They didn't, or sometimes they said, oh, thank you for calling. I just, you know, have had a large um, a mortgage and bought a house. I say, great. Why didn't you come to us? Why did you go to the bank? They didn't think about us because we never, you know, care. We don't contact them. We write letters that nobody, you know, that nobody understands. When most of the times increase in premium. So what I want to say with that is we need to reverse this. We need to become part of the daily lives. And I see two levels of it. Level number one is content. You know, when people Google, how do I lose weight? They should get to your insurer when you are a health insurer. When they say how to become rich, they need to find you as number one content around the planet, which is video, audio, text, animation, everything. It's not just, you know, Google. Um, and the second thing is, the harder one is, actually, you also need to provide digital infrastructure. You know, why, why shouldn't the most successful health apps not be from insurers? And it's not to, you know, uh, um, get data from your client and then, you know, kick him out if he, you know, wasn't totally truthful in the application process or something. It's about really helping, helping them to become better, helping to achieve their goals. And the funny thing is, when you start to help people, people want some people want to do something good for you too. And then they say, okay, why? Well, let's do this contract by them. I mean, they're 10% more expensive, but you know, they're so nice to help me 27 times. That's interesting. And that's very true because, you know, we, we don't only see that in insurance, but we see that in every aspect of life. Uh, you know, you always feel like working with people who are nice, uh, who are supportive and who are always available. So I think that's, that's very applicable to the insurance industry and very, very valid point about content. You know, that's something that I'm pretty surprised about because uh, we do find a lot of lack of content uh, for the insurance agents. And you always think that, hey, you know, insurance is all about, you know, agents calling you up, selling, 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 selling. But it's not really that. There's, there's a larger cause behind it. And I think that can be communicated in a much better manner than just sales calls. And the funny uh, thing is, if you look at super successful agents and brokers, those are the big guys in the market. If you look, how did they become big? They did that, you know, in an analog way. They were there at the church. They were at your religious community. They were part of the local business club of entrepreneurs. They were helping their friends when they had a claim, said, you need to write it like that. Or, or did you actually think about the tax consequence of the setup? They, they helped all the time. And then the people came in the moment of need to their friends and people they know, oh, he's the insurance guy. I trust him. He's a great guy. And, and, and that you can put in a digital way. And by the way, I was a sales leader or C-suits that are responsible for sales. What would you give if I could take the 10 best salespeople, 10% of your best salespeople and multiply them by 10? What would you give? And they say endless because that's, that's, that's the magic moment. And that you can do, by the way, by transforming, by using digital content, by doing attention hacking, as we call it. Um, and I think we see this already in the market and the numbers actually add up. And the numbers actually show that we have clients that increase their sales by, you know, we're talking about large, large insurers, 22 to 48%. This is insane. In a market that grows 1%. That's very interesting. Excellent, Dr. Robin. I think, you know, we've covered most of the questions that I had, but just to wrap up our conversation, I'd love to hear about your book, the InsurTech book. 
that's that's something that we're so keen to hear about. You know, give us a little brief, you know, what it covers, uh, where it's available, and we'd love to have our listeners, uh, you know, get access to it as well. Very good. So I would love to talk about two books. One is the InsurTech book. It's already has some years behind it, but it's funny to read. It's five years old, but it's still interesting to read because a lot of predictions in there uh, actually happened. A lot of problems happened there too. I just wrote a book. It's called Selling More Through Attention Hacking. It's just in German, but we're working on the English translation right now. So in January, February, March, let's say March, we will see the English version of it. It's about how we, and you can get it on Amazon around the world. What it's about, it's about how you increase the touch points with your clients um, as an insurer, also as a B2B business to insurers or actually B2B business in general. Uh, we reach 10 to 20 million people each month and we share actually all our secrets. So that's, that's a good, good 34 euros and it's nicely designed. And it was a lot of funny quotes about the insurance industry. But again, the English version is coming out in, in spring. We wouldn't want to miss that. Do you also, are you also coming out with an ebook that can be accessed all across the world or is it just a physical copy? That's a good idea. I, I think we will do also the ebook thing. Yeah, you should, because that, that just helps in terms of, you know, giving access to people from different countries, not just in Europe, yeah. uh, but Amazon all across the world. So wonderful. Thank you so much, Dr. Robin. It's been a pleasure speaking to you. I think, you know, the insights that you've shared are unique. You know, I wasn't expecting some of the insights that came from you. And I think that's, that's something that's really opened up a different horizon for us. You know, I think our listeners are going to love listening to this episode of the podcast. And I'll have this shared with you as well, so that you can forward it to your listeners too. Happy to. Thank you very much for the invitation. Thank you so much, Dr. Robin. Speak soon. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in. Do feel free to browse through our library of podcasts and gain access to insights on a range of industries. If you would like to learn more about our services, please drop us a line on info at nextin.com. That is I-N-F-O at N-E-X-T-Y-N.com. Ciao.